and welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. And Jason, I'm going to tell you what. This week may be the most exciting ACC championship game in years. And let me tell you why. I just think simply the fact that both teams value this game in itself as their Super Bowl. And they don't have a playoff to look forward to and anything like that. The ACC championship is the final destination for each of these teams. And also both teams have so much of a chance to win. It's going to be great. Yeah, Dan, it's going to be, you're right. It's going to be probably one of the more exciting ACC championship games that we've seen in a while. You know, in, in the past, we've had Clemson just being in this absolute juggernaut. I think back to, I think it was like a couple years ago, Clemson versus a six and six pit team or something like that. And the game was over five minutes in, in, into it. And so I, I, we're not going to have that. Uh, there are some rumors about a flu bug going through Pitt's locker room. I hope that's not true or at least exaggerated. Or if it is true, I hope the players, of course, I would always hope that they're, they're better, but in, in a selfish way, I would hope they're better for the game so that uh, both teams can be at full strength and we can kind of see, hey, these were two of the best teams. These were the two best teams in the ACC all year. Let's see who actually is best decided on the field. For sure. And we've got a, a eight o'clock matchup actually on ABC. So I guess what this tells me, because the SEC is at three 30, this tells me that more people are likely to watch at three 30 than eight o'clock, but I'll take it because I mean, Pitt fans have been camping out, getting tickets to the game. There's very exclusive bunch that have actually been able to get the transportation and the lodging, et cetera. And wake, I mean, it's a, it's a, much closer travel, but they will fill up the stands as well. It's going to be great. And we'll, we're going to preview this in just a second. That will make up the majority of our pod. But just before we do so, we have our Pipey Awards ceremony this weekend hosted by yours truly, Jason and I. And it will be the 2021 Pipey Awards live in our Discord. And we will be honoring the best and the worst of this year in ACC football in terms of players, coaches, memes, GIFs, plays, Twitter accounts, and much more. It's going to be super exciting, super fun. Jason hosting our first annual Pipey Awards for football. Yeah, I, I don't know if my tuxedo is going to come in in time, uh, so I might have to freestyle. We'll see how it goes. Regardless, going to be a lot of fun. Definitely at, uh, suggest everyone tune in for that. And, you know, obviously this is a shameless plug to our Discord, but it'll give us a chance to interact with people. People can hear us uh, and as it as it goes along and all the normal uh, shenanigans that, that occur as well. You know, I'm kind of a casual guy, so I'm not sure I'm going tuxedo. Maybe the occasion calls for it, but we'll have to see. Play that one by year as well. But, yeah, let's, let's get into ACC Championship Preview. 15th ranked pit. 16th ranked Wake Forest. Pitt is three-point favorites. Just initial thoughts. So they're the last uh, four ACC championship games have had a 24-plus point margin. And like I said, Pitt is just three-point favorites, so this one should be close. It's probably the closest spread in that span as well. And if the Coastal wins, Pitt wins like they are favored. 
it would be the first time that the Coastal team wins since Virginia Tech in 2010 with a 44-33 to win over Florida State. Yeah, wow. You know, a couple things. Before we, you know, get fully into the game, how about this? You know, we, we were – the ACC kind of felt down bad a little bit this year. And the – the I guess the penultimate rankings before we set the college football playoff, ACC tied – for the most with four teams ranked. Now they're all ranked right there in, I think, 15 to 20 range. You know, um, Pitt, Wake, NC State, and Clemson. But it's kind of kind of nice. We I feel like we've kind of salvaged the year and, and now we're setting up the, you know, really great ACC championship game. And you did mention that Pitt has the flu, which is a, a big thing. I'm pretty sure that is actually true. But here's the good news. I think they're on the back end of that whole epi- that that whole epidemic. Like Pitt missed the practice. I think Pickett missed the practice, but he's back in action. He's QB one. He's the lifeblood of their team. That's most important. I think just knowing that information, they should be fine by a Saturday kickoff. Now, I think the travel might be a issue for Pitt. Not like in terms of them winning the game or not, but just, you know, it might contribute a half a point or a point on the spread just because Wake is very close to Charlotte and Pitt has to take a longer ride. Because remember, home field remember home field advantage, it's not just based off of crowd, right? I'm expecting a pretty split crowd despite the geography, but home field advantage is also based on travel. And I think Pitt definitely, uh, like, they'll, they'll falter a little bit there. I think that contributes a half a point or a point in the spread. Well, you know, I, I, when the news of the, the pit flu started going around, I paid close attention to the line and the line didn't move. As far as I could tell, it didn't move. And Vegas always knows. So the fact that uh, it stayed steady, especially as it stayed steady right there on the number, right there on minus three, that tells me a lot because if it moves off that number, that's a big deal betting wise, right? When anytime it moves off a key number, it's a big deal and it didn't. So I, I tend to agree with you. It, I don't think it's going to be a factor, at least it doesn't appear that way. And, and just, I also hope it doesn't. So going to be interesting. How would you rate this game just in terms of entertainment value on a scale from one, let's say, uh, Clemson, Virginia in 2019, it was like 62 to 17 and <laughs> 10, like, uh, a, a, I think week four state this year. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Okay. So one to 10, how would you rate it? Well, I think, I, I believe I said it on, on our last award-winning podcast that I kind of looked at the number, the over under, and I put it in my head. I put it, I think around 74. Came out a little under that, 72, and it's actually ticked down just a smidge at 71.5. I think this has all the makings of being, you know, an eight or nine game, possibly pushing that NC State uh, Wake Forest game this year for the best game of the year, just because that was so back and forth. There were so many twists and turns. It was also, you could tell as far as on the wake side of the ball, it seemed like there were a little bit of nerves involved. And, you know, Hartman probably didn't have his most accurate game 
Uh, there were some passes, even even some of the passes that he completed in, in that particular game were were bad. You know, AT Perry and company made the adjustment and caught them. But if he hits him in stride, the, you know, obviously they, there's much more yards after catch to be to be had. So I think with Pitts in a high flying offense and, and neither and, and Wake's high flying offense and neither team's great, especially against the pass. Here's here's kind of an interesting stat. They're two of the worst teams in the ACC in uh, passing uh, yards per play. So it sets up, and it's a cliche. It's a cliche for a reason. Points come out of the passing game, right? So it's setting up to be a high-scoring game. I feel like I like it going over that total. I, I haven't totally made up my mind, and the fact that it ticked down a little bit, and we had the the little bit of news about the flu made me pause a smidge but I feel like it's going to be a high-flying game and I think you know both teams might come out tight that might that might decide the over-under you know if you have like a in the first quarter zero to zero you're gonna to have to really pick up the pace to get to 70 something points but I feel like the second half might be the uh the best half of football ACC football this entire year I really hope it lives up to that, and I think it very much has the potential to do so. There was one thing you mentioned about Sam Hartman. He's kind of struggled the last two weeks, and I think if if we're going to talk about how Pitt wins this game first off, what the scenario would be in order for the Panthers to come up on top. There's kind of been a good Sam Hartman and a bad Sam Hartman, and I think that's been the case for his entire career. He's been super inconsistent. I think the goods have been much better than the bads this year, which is why he's had a breakout year. But just think of this, think of this stat. So I put out this whole thing about PFF and their, they grade their throws as a big time throw. If you may, if it's like top percentile or turnover worthy play, if it's bottom percentile and Sam Hartman has 26 big time throws this year, but 11 of those 26 came from two individual games. He has 13 turnover-worthy plays, but six of those 13 came from the most recent two weeks. So mm. it depends if we see good Sam Hartman or bad Sam Hartman. If we see bad Sam Hartman, that's how I see Pitt winning this game. Yeah, and, you know, it's been a running gag all year. You know, we talked about 42-year-old Kenny Pickett. I think we started talking about him preseason. And really, he, he kind of, you know, laughed in our face because the year went on. And, and now I think he has the fourth or fifth best Heisman odds. Imagine me telling you that at the beginning of the year. By the end of the year, Kenny Pickett, of all people, is going to have the fifth best Heisman odds. I mean, you probably fell out of your chair. But I, I just wonder, with that age and experience, obviously he's not really 42, but will he kind of be able to settle down? And he's been in – more big games than than uh Sam Hartman Wake Forest is kind of always that six and five type team like I said uh Pitt uh when they faced off against Clemson a couple years ago I'm Kenny Pickett was a quarterback correct me if I'm wrong on that but I'm pretty sure he was now granted they got blown up but at least he's been there it accounts for something and he's running your team so I agree with you you know Accuracy for the quarterbacks is going to be key and which one is more accurate, especially because we're not just talking about completing the pass here, right? If he hits Roberson and A.T. Perry in stride, Hartman could 
Hartman's numbers could be a lot better than if so, some of those kind of back shoulder throws that weren't really intended to be back shoulder throws like you had against NC State. Pickett, obviously, Jordan Addison, uh, an absolute dynamite stud, single-handedly let you beat me in fantasy in the playoffs this year. I'm still better about it. But Wake has to account for him. And, and as I mentioned, they are not good against the pass. Neither is Pitt, but which team is kind of going to be a little less bad, I guess. So Pitt did play in that ACC championship game against Clemson, and Kenny Pickett was the quarterback. I want you to give him, to take a guess at how many yards Kenny Pickett had. <laughs> I'm going to guess something terrible. I could really be – I really could. Because, look, here's the thing. They were down early and often, so the only way to get back in is to throw the ball. But I feel like Clemson totally shut them down. Um, this is the number that's popping in my head. It could be so far off, it's embarrassing. I'm going to say 126. Eight. What? <laughs> Wait, I think I remember that. Eight. I was waiting for you to finish the sentence. Eight what? <laughs> Eight yards. Okay. I hope everyone took the under on that, that day. And it's, it's funny because Trevor Lawrence kind of had a DJ Uyunga light type day, you know, 12 for 24, 118 yards, 4.9 oh, I almost guessed I, – I went too high even for Lawrence. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those, but either way, I mean, I, I think we could rest ashore with 100% assurity that Pickett will get more than eight passing yards in this game. So, yeah, I feel like he could – it could roll out with full-blown pneumonia and get more than eight yards in this game, much less the flu. Um, but, I mean, yes, listen, he got blown out and obviously only had eight yards. Still, though, that experience accounts for something. And I think, you know, it's going to be helpful, at least having played in the big game. Because, look, when it was kicked off, it was zero to zero. I assure you everyone on the Pittsburgh side thought, hey, we're going to shock the world. We're going to, you know – surprised everyone and clearly it didn't happen it was over three minutes in but that at least initial um you know feeling and tension or whatever Kenny Pickett experienced it and so so did some of the other pit players but that's going to go a long way especially early on so so maybe look for for Pitt to kind of jump out early we'll have to see how that plays out and I know Pitt's offense they had a completely different offensive coordinator it was like a it was kind of like the old Boston College teams where it was ground and pound. They had two 1,000-yard rushers. They don't really do that anymore, but I think it's equally important in this game for them to establish the run here in 2021. We saw Wake. They dominated BC in the trenches. They dominated BC pretty much everywhere. But Wake has also struggled against the run on most occasions, much more so than the past. So – I think it's very important for a balanced attack on Pitt offensively for them to win the game. And then defensively, just their defensive line. They have to do their thing because we know Wake that runs that mesh point offense. Hartman's very patient, waits for something to arise, waits for somebody to leave their gap, waits for somebody to be undisciplined, and then just exploits it. If we force – if we're Pitt, right, we force Sam – into quick decisions, that's how he's going to get off his game. So that's what how I think Pitt wins. 
Yeah, and I mean, you're right. You, you can't, you really can't um, underscore Abana Kanda's, you know, contribution for Pitt in the running game. And possibly on special teams, we saw in that Virginia game that kind of helped really uh, uh, galvanize the Panthers when he returned that uh, kickoff for a touchdown. Special teams play could really swing this game. I mean, obviously it's always important, but in a game where it's kind of, you know, nip and tuck, we really could uh, a blocked punt, a a return for a touchdown, even a, a punt return that sets up good field position. That's it's going to go a huge way, huge uh, ways in a game that's um, only a three-point spread. Wake has been kind of bad on the returning. Uh, they're defending their, their kick returns, the punt returns, but they also have the best kicker and punter in the conference, so that might help. If it comes down to a game-winning field goal I and it's 46, 47 yards or less, I have no doubt Nick Skiba will kick it through the uprights. So with that, with that being said, how do you think Wake wins this game? Because do you think maybe they would have to force Pitt into, you know, scoring 35 or fewer points? Or do you think Wake will be better off if this is a back and forth shootout? Because I think, I think the latter, I think they're better off with the shootout. You know me, I'm always contrarian, right? If everyone zigs, I zag. I'm going to say something really strange. I think Wake wins this game for it'll be two ways. If in the red zone they can turn touchdowns into field goals on defense, always hard to do, especially with a guy like I said, uh, Addison, such a great target uh, for the Panthers. I actually think Wake wins this game with ball control. I think using the slow developing plays with with the the mesh point if they can just keep long extended drives i don't think they'll win this game if they're bombing the ball down the field and they significantly lose the time of possession battle i think if they do this they and they just grind it out and they wear the pit defense down i think that's how they're going to win the game and and i don't see like i said if if time of possession is about equal or even, you know, significantly favoring Pitt, I think it's, it spells bad news for, for the Demon Deeks. Interesting. So we've seen Wake go with tempo offense, like no huddle offense at a lot of points during the year. You think they should go huddle and snap it like with 10 seconds or less in the play clock every time? Yeah, I do. And also, like, not that you don't look, okay, if plays down the field, I'm not going to look there because I want it to be a 15-play drive. Of course, if it's open, take it. But I just think, especially early on, controlling the clock, maybe getting, you know, Christian Beal Smith involved. He hadn't had that great of a year, only 557 yards on the year. Maybe if he could, you know, pick up some, you know, six, seven yard plays on first down and make it, you know, short and, you know, second and short and third and short, keeping those drives alive, 10, 12, 15 plays. But then the key is punching it in for the touchdown, right? Whoever settles for the most field goals is it's obviously, you know, in a game where points are um, going to be plentiful, leaving four points on the field is just going to be, 
a huge detriment to your team. You know how aggressive I am in my coaching experience, more like video games, but in my couch coaching experience, I am very aggressive in telling teams whether to go for it, whether to kick it. So I think I agree on that. Both teams got to be efficient in the red zone and got to be aggressive in the red zone. And you can't be afraid to turn it over on downs. That's how you're going to lose the game. Take the points. Well, three instead of seven will be very detrimental. So I, I agree on, totally on that. I think just going more specifically, they got to get pressure on Pickett. Here's a stat that I was very fascinated to see, right? He was pressured. Kenny Pickett was pressured 17 times in against Western Michigan and 18 times against Miami. Both of them were season highs. You know what else both of those games have in common? <laughs> those are both of the games Pitt lost. So hmm. I think they, they got a formula there. I don't know if blitzing Pickett is the best option, but just your defensive line has to play well. And also we talked about, or, you know, Pitt has to be multidimensional in offense, run and pass. So what does Wake do? They make Pitt one-dimensional, right? Mm -hmm. They take away the run and make Pickett have to pass the ball a lot because think about this. Pickett has more than 50 dropbacks in two games this year. One of them was against UNC where they barely scraped by in overtime. Mm -hmm. And the other one was against Miami. They had 64 dropbacks, and that's their loss. So – just a little bit interesting statistical trends in this. Yeah, you talk about making them one-dimensional. Think about this. Let's look at some team stats, right? Points per game, Pitt 42.8, Wake 42.9. Points allowed, 23.3 Pitt. A little higher would Wake 29.9. Total yards, 514 for Pitt, 483 for Wake. But then we look at this, yards allowed, 353 for Pitt, 427 for Wake. But the, the biggest difference is rushing yards allowed. Pitt only allows 92 yards a game rushing. Wake allows 209. That's a lot. So I already mentioned Abana Kanda, if he could get going. But like you said, can they kind of undo what, you know, in, in, a, in a week, can they kind of undo their bad habits and really make them one dimensional, make Pickett drop back a lot and maybe get those pressures on him and can he force a, a turnover or two or you know maybe a sack fumble yeah the turnovers will be detrimental because wake has been great in the turnover department and they love to aggressively try to strip the ball on defense so pit receivers i know our guy bren marion is very good at this they have to be able to protect the ball this weekend right? They cannot fumble. That will change the course of the game. And Wake has been so good at capitalizing off of that. They, not this year, but just basically the entire Dave Clawson era. That's kind of been their bread and butter. So I'm very interested in that. But um, you want to get to our betting predictions? Make our yeah, let's do it, man. Yeah, so for this week, it's obviously not a normal week. So we're just going to pick against the spread in the championship game. We'll pick in the ACC championship game. We'll pick against the over under, and then we'll pick a prop, which we each will give a prop to each other because for whatever reason, 
neither of us could find some official props online. So if you got some, please send it our way. But we couldn't find it anywhere. And then we'll pick um, a non-ACC championship game against the spread. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll start with this scoring prediction that will kind of lend into our over-under. So let's see, it's 71.5 and Pitt is three-point favorite. So let's see. That would make it's just, the, a, it's just a 72. Well, there's 72. 36, okay, 36. Yeah, so 38, 35. Yeah, more or less. No, it says like 38 to 35, four and a half ish. 38. <laughs> okay, thanks for the correction. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. Yeah. So that's the implied score. Yep. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I'm taking pit against the spread and I'm taking the under. So let's say – I don't think it reaches 72. I think a, a sluggish first half, a sluggish beginning, like you pointed out, might yeah. – I, I think we'll get to full gear second half, but I think that might lead to the under. So I'll go like pit 35-31. I think it's both. Yep, pit covers, okay. under hits. What about you? <laughs> Excuse me. I think – I actually think I agree with you. I, I like I, – I need to – before I, make, you know, make an official bet, I'll probably let it get a little bit closer, make sure everybody's healthy. But for the pod picks, I, I just think Pitt and their experience – I really didn't like what I see in a, in a saw from Wake in a couple big games, namely, as I mentioned, that NC State game. They came up with a victory, but I didn't like really what I saw in that Clemson game. They really were totally taken out of it. Obviously, Pitt's defense hasn't – the level of Clemson, which is one of the best in the country. But I, I see a sluggish first half. It might be it might be worth you know thinking about if if you guys are um gonna place a bet, maybe take a look at the under in the first half. First half line is 30, depending on what book you use, between 36 and 38. That's kind of that's kind of tempting right there, going under in the first half and then pouring it on the second half. You might could get that that double payout we all dream of, but I'm going with you. I'm going with Panthers cover and the under hits. Okay. A little boring because we're both agreeing, but I guess we, if we're in agreement, that means we're kind of on the same page as far as the predictions are concerned. So that's good. We'll live and die together. That's fair. Well, where we will defer is we will be making props for each other. So what is my prop? that you will be testing me on yeah so like i said I, I, we scoured we scoured the internet for props and only thing i really could find was last year's acc championship game props i guess they're waiting till you know maybe a day or two before uh releasing them i'm gonna go with this jordan addison one and a half touchdowns over under mm. he's had two on a lot of occasions this year but I think, I think I'm going to go under that. That's a very good line right there, but I think I'm going to go under. Um, I'm hoping for one, but it's, it's very possible that he gets, I mean, I'm just looking at my probabilities here. Like there's a possibility he gets three or four and that might lend into the average of like a higher average. Like he might be probably, he's probably over one and a half touchdowns average on the year per game but let's see let's see they've played what they've played 12, 12. games 
He's had 17. Okay. All right. That makes you feel even better. So I'll go under 1.5. And then uh, your prop is going to be Wake Forest total team sacks. I'm putting it at two and a half. Two and a half. Um, hmm. Wake allowing 217 yards passing. Not the highest total. I, I think I'm going to go under here. I think just maybe with Kenny Pickett's experience, I hope I'm not hyping that up too much. And then he comes out and completely, you know, craps the bed or something. Um, I'm going to go under. I know, you know, Wake lost a couple guys last year, uh, namely uh, Boogie Basham in the draft. And I don't have the stats in front of me of their sacks for the year, but I just kind of gut feel, thumb in the wind, I'm going under two and a half sacks on the day. Okay, that's fair. I was I was leaning juice on the under there, actually. So I think the average was probably between two and two and a half. So I think I was hoping for you to take the over. So that probably makes you feel better. Um, and then for my non-ACC championship pick, I'm picking Pac-12 Friday. I'm taking Utah minus two and a half against Oregon. Yeah, that's a that just is hard for me to think that I know they just destroyed them but it's really hard for me to imagine Oregon winning that game I'm gonna do something I I know uh this is kind of boring and a lot of people are um probably on this I haven't looked at any of the numbers but I just it's just hard for me to think that Alabama gets beat by more than a touchdown so I'm gonna go tied plus six and a half I know Georgia has dominated everyone this year, but they really haven't had that level of competition. Their, their schedule's kind of been trash, you know. And, you know, it, last game, I just think of they completely dismantled uh, Georgia Tech. Before that, it was Charleston Southern. Before that, it was Tennessee, and Missouri, Florida. I mean, who was their best game this year? Clemson? First game of the year? 10 to three. And I also think with that, that iron bowl, you know, Alabama pulled out a miracle. I think that was their wake up call. I think that they, I'm not going to be surprised if Bama wins. I mean, much to the chagrin, I'm sure of most <laughs> all college football fans, except for tide fans, but I'm going to uh, Alabama um, plus six and a half. We're doing a double digit dog. No, nah, we don't have enough to do it. Um, and, that's I'd have to take Iowa and you'd have to take Houston. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much. That's interesting now. I was thinking if I were to pick that game, I would pick Georgia. It's right under that key number, but that's it. Okay. Um how about this though? If, if the, the big the big boy betting, the look ahead number, I think two weeks ago was Georgia minus one. So if you could have locked that in then and then you, you obviously take the other side now and then hope for a three, four point game and you, you get a double payout. Wow. So That's it, big it, it, it's also interesting how it changed so much, just why that would have happened. But either way, I mean, before we go farther along that path, because this is not an SEC podcast and I mean, it just <laughs> means less here, not more. So we're going to just talk about the awards that came out 
full ACC, not the Pipey Awards, just the actual official boring awards. So we had uh, for the MVPs, right, the offensive and defensive MVPs, my picks completely aligned with the actual picks. Kenny Pickett for offensive, Jermaine Johnson for defensive. How do you feel about those? I think those are pretty straightforward, especially the Pickett one. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, here's the thing. You know, Brendan Armstrong probably put up better overall numbers, but UVA finished on such a thud note, and he missed a couple games, or, I mean, a game and a half, I guess. It's just hard to argue with uh, Pickett, what he's meant to the team, especially most, you know, offensive MVP, most valuable. I would definitely agree. I mean, the all ACC, we can get in, we'll get in, actually, we'll get in the quarterbacks in, in a second. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, Florida State, has been a, a monster uh, on the line. I might have erred on the side of Drake Thomas for NC State, especially if you factor in, uh, well, one, the year that NC State had, and then two, all the injuries they suffered, namely Peyton Wilson at that linebacker spot. And Drake Thomas just played outstanding, really kind of – I almost didn't miss a beat from losing one of the best players in the conference. So I, I, I might have erred on that side, but I'm totally okay with Jermaine Johnson as a pick. Yeah, well, actually, let's get into the um, all-ACC teams because, speaking of which, I still had two NC State linebackers. I had Drake Thomas and Isaiah Moore on my first team all-ACC. Um. So, yeah, I actually, before we get to that, just want to – so we had our pipeline preseason poll where we had all the fans vote and then we kind of – we had our staff members vote and our staff members counted a little bit more than the individual fan. Our pipeline preseason offensive MVP picks, top three, mm-hmm. Sam Howell, mm-hmm. D.R. King, D.J. <laughs> Uyunglele. All right. We, we kind of missed on, I'll say this, we, we can't, you know, we can't be held responsible for King. Who knows what would have happened if he were healthy, but it is rolling the dice. Knowing his health coming into the year is putting him at number two. Sam Howell put up a good year, but obviously a massive disappointment for the Tar Heels. And we've talked about it. DJ Hungley seems like he's broken. We're not sure if it can be fixed. So, Oh for three. Nice going, everyone. <laughs> I don't I don't blame us for that. I mean Pickett was no. ten. Pickett was yeah. ten. That's pretty bad, but like I don't blame us at the time. The defensive picks, nobody voted for Jermaine Johnson, which I kind of question a little bit. The defensive picks were top three with Peyton Wilson, Brian Bristee, and Kalijah Cansey. And I agree with mm. the top two, but if we're picking a pass rush. Jermaine Johnson would have made sense at the three spot, but then again, hindsight is twenty twenty. So we'll. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure in in most people's mind, we were kind of down on Florida State. You know, they had such a poor showing last year, came in with relatively low expectations. So, the headliners, the Clemson's, the the preseason headliners, the the uh, UNC's, the Miami's of the world are going to be what we kind of gravitate toward, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it makes sense. I don't know if I'm going to, like, really adjust my methodology next year. I probably will because I think the comp, we've kind of had an open conference dynamic, and I'm 
I'm going to go more with hot takes next year. But as far as the fans are concerned, if we're talking hundreds of people voting, I'm, I don't blame them for the majority being that way. But uh, as far as the official awards, so the, the official all ACC quarterbacks kind of question, kind of questionable. Kenny Pickett first team, Sam Hartman second team, and Brennan Armstrong third team. Mm. Mine were in this order, Pickett, Armstrong, and Leary. So I didn't have Hartman at all, and Hartman in actuality made second team. That kind of head-scratcher, isn't it? Well, I know you caught a lot of flack from from deep Twitter. Uh, (laughs) I was enjoying it, to be honest. And, you know, I think a lot of times at awards like this, especially given out, you know, by the press, they often like to vote for the guy that kind of weren't expecting, right? The kind of the, I don't want to say feel good story, but kind of, right? You know, how many, think about it this way. How many coaches of the year award should Bill Belichick have won in his career? All of them? Probably, you know, <laughs> but what do you, oh man, we weren't expecting, you know, this plucky team to, and then they came up and then they made the playoffs. Yeah, they got bounced in the first round, but, you know, so that's kind of how those type of votings go. Sam Hartman, I think, would fit into that mold. Again, not knocking him. I think it's unbelievable kind of the, and we'll get into this with the Pipeys, but just how much depth, and we we talked about preseason the ACC had, but really, once the season hit, I mean, geez, you could say Sam Hartman, who was a Heisman contender to start the year, maybe not even top five in the conference six, maybe that, that really speaks to the depth. And I think, you know, also with, with Devin Leary, they're not, gonna, they're not putting up as many points as uh, the, the Deeks were and Hartman and the Deeks. And that's the kind of the flashy play, but I'm okay with your rankings. And I also understand theirs. I understand Hartman being third team, right? There's a lot of people that could be third team, but I think it's got to be Pickett Armstrong one and two in that order. Just the numbers that each of them put up, pick it over Armstrong because of a team performance and B Armstrong Mm -hmm. with a little more turnovers. But the reason I put Leary three is the advanced stats, right? Getting rid of the ball quickly and making those those big time throws. He had the highest big time throw rate and the lowest turnover worthy play rate in the conference. So there's that. But I I understand Hartman being there, just not second team. What if you what if we took away the MVP and we just said best offensive player? Who do you vote for? Are you luring me into Sean Tucker? No, I'm not luring you into anyone. I'm curious. I'm curious if at that point, ignore who you're going to pick to win. At that point, do you put Armstrong over Pickett? No, I I think there was a point like three quarters of the way through the season, yes. But I think Armstrong kind of fell off a little bit and Pickett was just – I want to say more consistent, right? Because there were like two-thirds – the first two thirds of the season, there was Armstrong putting up 400, 500 yards a game and Pickett kind of being like 300, 350 range. I think Pickett kind of caught up a little bit, just not even regarding team performance. Hmm. Uh, is that true though? 
I mean, I feel like Armstrong was like really killing it in the last, even the last few weeks. I know against Pitt, he put up big numbers. Of course, so did Pickett. Um, and then last game of the season versus uh, Virginia Tech, he still put up big numbers. Now they lost. So I would say it's a, it, that would be a big knock on you as far as um, MVP type talk. But I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up his his uh his game logs. But you have to you have to consider this also. Pickett threw the ball much fewer times than Armstrong did. So Armstrong might have had better total numbers, but I think Pickett was much better in terms of yards per attempt. Yeah, so he had 400 versus Virginia Tech, but you're right. It took him 40 40 throws to get there. Yeah. So let's look at the last couple couple games 400 and then 487 versus Pitt he had 337 with BYU but that's when he went out injured I yeah guess. I, I mean I guess if we're just looking at let's see in the in the Pitt game Pitt UVA game Pickett had 340 and he dropped back he he attempted 41 passes I don't know man I don't know. Tough call, but right. MVP wise, yes. Okay. But at least I think we could all agree Armstrong and Pickett belong on the first two teams. Yes, I think that's yeah, I, I, I definitely disagree with the the press's assessment. I'm using journalists, I'm using air quotes here for Hartman. But again, I told you the reason that is is kind of a I won't say feel good story, but picking the guy who you normally wouldn't think of. Mm-hmm. Well, just regarding my the rest of my AC, all-ACC first team, so I had Sean Tucker at running back, pretty straightforward. Wide receivers, Addison, Wicks, and Downs. I didn't use a tight end for this one. I used a football player because I didn't think there, were, there was enough tight end production to award a first-team guy, so I had Keaton Thompson instead. And then I thought he was a quarterback. That's what I was told. He was a quarterback by our uh, guys at Fantrax. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we had Iki Aquanu, Caleb Chandler, Jordan McFadden, Zion Johnson, and our guy Christian Mahogany at uh, offensive line, those five slots. So agree, disagree. What do you think? I, I feel like you have, I, I know you kind of copped out with Thompson at the tight end spot. I think you might could have moved. If you want to goof around, you could maybe keep him there, but I'd put him maybe second or third behind Marshawn Ford or Woods. But yeah, there, you know, um, two, two Boston College offensive linemen make your team. And look, you said at the beginning of the year, it might have the best offensive line in, in the conference. And that really seemed like that kind of played out throughout the year. For sure. But overall, yeah, I mean, I mean, think about this though. We talk about we talk about how good the quarterbacks are, which obviously, as a byproduct, the wide receivers are going to have big numbers. But man, Jordan Addison, Dontavian Wicks, Josh Downs, and the wide receiver—that's a heck of a team. And we're not even talking about uh, Roberson or At Perry, their second team, or even Charleston Rambo, who came on like gangbusters, man. Really deep, 
And I, like I said, I, maybe that's just a byproduct of having such great quarterback play, but tough picks there, but I, I agree with them. And then um, defensive guys. So I had Jermaine Johnson. I went three, three, five here. I got Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas from FSU and Cody Roscoe from Syracuse. And then I had Drake Thomas and Isaiah Moore from NC State at linebackers. In addition to Luke Masterson, Kevin Knowles, the slot corner from Florida State. So three Florida State guys on my first team defense. Clemson, uh, Clemson's Mario Goodrich and Miami's Tyreek Stevenson at corner. Travion Red for Wake at safety. And in addition, Andrew Makuba, who was also from Clemson, who was also the official ACC defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, you know, I made my comments about Drake Thomas earlier, and obviously I agree with the Jermaine Johnson pick. Kind of disappointed that our, our guy, Trey Clark, couldn't make team, but, you know, obviously he had some injuries down the stretch and, and missed a lot of games. Uh, Trey Clark for Louisville, of course, but kind of wishing he was up there, but, uh, I mean, I understand why he's not, but Overall, a great list, man. You, you did a, a really good job of breaking down, and obviously, um, you, you know, you watch all the games, and you really – I trust your opinion more than I do, air quote, journalists. Oh, I appreciate that, but um, well, I'll, I'll get there someday. I'll get on – either I'll get on the press or preferably just the pipeline official yeah, awards right. will hold that much weight. But um, I think – That'll do it for uh, today's episode. So last thing, just a quick plug. Once again, our Pipey Awards will be this weekend in our Discord live. We will be honoring the best and worst of the year in ACC football in terms of players, coaches, memes, gifts, plays, Twitter accounts, and much more. So join we'll us there. The yeah, we'll leave the link in the description. Yes, we will, as usual. So uh, with that being said, Leave us a five-star review if you like what you heard, but that's all I've got. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC Podcast.